just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. And it's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. Oh, I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. And many of the 30-yard line. Jones up, hit by Granderson, intercepted on the ricochet. That's Matthew for six. It's a pick six. To the veteran, Tyron Matthew. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by AGI Specialty Valves and Zapardo's Family Market. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel. Uh, before we begin, last week I thanked a bunch of people at the end of the podcast, but I did not thank our imaginary producer, Bryce, which was an egregious move on my part. Um, Bryce may or may not be here right now. No one will ever know. But I just want to say thank you, Bryce, for all the wonderful work you might do, allegedly. All right, Sean, the Saints won 34 to nothing in New England this past Sunday. They moved to three and two. They absolutely pantsed Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It was a very nice change of pace. It was one of those games where we could kind of just like sit back and relax and enjoy it because they, the Patriots could not do anything right. And the saints actually looked good for once. So tell me, what was not BS about this game? What was not BS was that the Saints, regardless of the opponent they were playing, who was not a very good opponent, um, the Saints were uh, looking like the team that we all thought they were going to and should look like heading into the season. Um, like Alvin Kamara said in his post-game press conference, uh, we got too much talent on the, this offense to be a shitty offense. Might might have paraphrased a, a bit there, but allow myself to introduce myself. Yes, um, but this team just has too much talent to be the way they had looked the six preceding quarters heading into the game in Foxborough. Um, too much talent on offense. Too many playmakers. Too much draft capital and financial capital invested in the offensive line and a quarterback um, that the product that they had put on the field to end, I mean, to end the Packers game without Derek Carr, it's understandable to an extent, but that, that Tampa game was the canary in the coal mine. It seemed for a lot of folks, um, the fan base, obviously, I mean, the pitchforks and torches came out for Pete Carmichael. I mean, they'd been out for a lot of folks for Dennis Allen um, for for most of since most of last season. Um, but really, the ire kind of turned on Pete Carmichael for sure, and that frustration was not limited to the fan base. You could hear it in the voices of the players in their media availabilities immediately post game and throughout the week. And then uh, we, we talked about it 
There was a famous Ian Rappaport Sunday splash report that um, kind of intimated that Pete Carmichael needed to turn things around quickly on offense in New Orleans, or he would, if not fired, he would lose play calling duties. And um, I mean, Pete, say what you will about his, his prowess as an offensive mind, but you don't last as long in the NFL as Pete Carmichael has by being a total idiot. And uh, he got the message in some form or fashion because, uh, yeah, the Saints scored three offensive touchdowns and um, had two more field goals on top of that on the road against uh, – uh, the, I mean, the Patriots are not good this year, but I think they have like the number eight defense. Uh, yeah, maybe they have a top ten defense. Yeah. Even without top 10 defense still, like two of their best players, the defense is more than just two players. You know, they're not just a bunch of scrubs. Right, right, and, and it's like, also Bill Belichick. Right, I mean the, I mean half serious, half joking, half realistic, half pessimistic uh, line of thinking among the Saints fans going into the game was that. I mean, Pete Carmichael couldn't coach his way out of a out of a shoebox, and and he's going up against Bill Belichick, who's the godfather of most modern defensive philosophies. That it we it would have been Tampa game, the Tampa game all over again. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, the Patriots looked pretty hapless against us, and uh, it was weird because in some regards we did play really well, but in other regards. We were still really sloppy. We didn't turn the ball over, but I think it was 12 penalties for a bunch of yards, and a bunch of them were like really silly pre-snap penalties and on both yeah. sides of the ball. And um, so there's still a lot to clean up. Um, and against a better team that might come to bite us. But I mean, it's funny, man. So many of our podcasts just feel like we're like repeats of the of the previous ones because I mean we we learn new information every week and our opinions evolve and change but like some things are still true it's like our schedule is still really easy and I mean we learned this week that uh, some of our games coming up might be even easier um, the Colts put Anthony Richardson on IR so we won't be playing against um, the intriguing rookie QB they've yeah. got up there. Instead, we'll be facing Gardner Minshew, who Gardner as much Minshew. as as much as I love Gardner Minshew as like a character, um, we absolutely uh, embarrassed him last year when he played for the Eagles. He yep. played in place of Jalen Hurts in the Eagles game, and we made him look silly. And then back when Minshew mania was still a thing for the Jaguars in the uh, pre-Trevor Lawrence days, um, we shut him down there too. So. I don't think he's looking forward to playing us in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Also in, in two weeks, we do play the Trevor Lawrence led Jaguars that have looked a little janky and yes. Trevor Lawrence is, and you know, this, if you're a fantasy football player has been a huge disappointment Yeah, in 2023 and new offensive toy. Calvin Ridley has kind of been uh, hit or miss in that offense. Um you know, about Pete Carmichael, the fact that, like, and this was said on Twitter, that the Saints fandom basically bullied 
Pete Carmichael into using motion and some more creative play calls. Yeah. Like, the fact that he was able to call a more creative game like on demand makes me wonder like what the fuck he was doing for the first right. four weeks. Like why was he, why are you not trying harder, man? Like what are you doing? Yeah. It's almost insulting. It's like, not like he had to learn a foreign language. Like he, he knows at least enough of it to get by. And he just was almost willfully choosing to not engage with it. It Yeah. Just, just frustrating. So, so, and to that point, like I'm not ready to absolve him of the, like all the tough criticism that we put his way. I mean, uh, I mean, oof. after that, uh, after that Bucks game, I, I fired off a pretty, pretty heated tweet in old uh, Pete Carmichael's way. I think it was, something along the lines of get ready to en- enjoy skiing and micro brews bozo uh, <laughs> insinuating that he would be joining john payton's staff in no time so um in denver but but yeah i mean if for at least one week pete um at least lowered a little bit of the temperature on his seat but we'll, we'll see if if that if that continues um I mean, D'Amico Ryans uh, and the Texans uh, certainly at least have the the mind uh, to have a good defense. And D'Amico Ryans' defense last year just completely eviscerated um, our offense. So uh, I don't know. Obviously, I don't think. Right. And you're referring the, to when he was the coordinate, the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. And, and the Texans. Yes. The Texans do not have the Niners personnel on defense to say the least. Um, but I can, uh, I can truthfully say that I cannot name a single player on the, the Texans defense, their offense for sure, but not. Yes. Their defense. Well, uh, they got, they drafted Will Anderson really mm-hmm. high. Um, so he's their kind of cornerstone on that side of the ball. He went to Bama. He's a loser. <laughs> yeah. We don't like him. Can um, he even read? Oh my god! Um, but then uh, he went to the Honors College. Oh my god! Um, Remember that? But yeah. Uh, but I think they also signed Sheldon Rankins. And oh, uh, they did. Yes. Yeah. So the Sheldon, the shell of Sheldon Rankins. Yeah. Um, He's been dead since 2018. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> but. And then, well, uh, I mean, their other franchise cornerstone on D, um, Derek Stingley, he's out. So, um, right. so yeah, they're a little banged up on that side of the ball. On offense, C.J. Stroud, like much to his credit, is playing out of his mind. Um, has yet to throw an interception, I believe, set the rookie right. record now for. Uh, Stroud is on pace to have like the greatest rookie season ever for a quarterback, and yeah. he has not thrown an interception. And I feel like this is the game where this it's going to happen. I, I, I was thinking that earlier today also. That, uh, I think... Also, worth noting, the Texans uh, have been extremely ineffective running the football. Yes. Damian Pierce and Tank Dell, who is their rookie deep threat, is in the concussion protocol at the moment. Yes. So yeah. Nico Collins is really the only healthy weapon they have that's worth a shit. 
Yeah, Robert Woods is their number two receiver or number three, I guess, depending on Tank Dell, if you how you consider him. But uh, Robert Woods, I think he's definitely on the backside of his career. Um, so does not, not scare me. Not as worried about him anymore. Nico Collins had that nice touchdown against us from CJ Stroud in the preseason game, though. So hopefully uh, we can make some adjustments. I, I think that was the game we sat Marshawn though, so uh, he'll be matched up against him. Um, so I just not as I, worried. You know, for all of DA's faults over the last year and change, the defense has never really been an issue, and I have full confidence that they will have CJ Stroud in hell. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, we might as well throw out predictions now since we're talking about sure. the Texans. I think we win this game. Yeah. Um, I think this is they're hurt. Stroud is a rookie. Um, oh, we'll talk more about this shortly. I think Derek Carr was probably more injured than we realized against yeah. the Bucks, and he looked healthier against the Patriots. He stands to reason he will get healthier as the week goes on. I, I think we win this by double digits. I think we win by 10. Like, yeah. I can see us winning like 24, 24 to 14. Something yeah. in that range. So I was going to say 24-10. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, like we said, I think we pick off C.J. Stroud and um, their running game wasn't strong going into, going into this week. And I don't think it's going to find its legs against us either. Um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely like our odds this, this week. Um, I think that the offense continues to – show uh some signs of warming up and, and gelling still still some growing pains on that side of the ball to work out i mean we mentioned the penalties there were some plays um where uh like wide receivers were like running i don't know if they're running the wrong routes but their spacing was bad i think the, a, a prominent play the broadcast called out was that like it looked like mike thomas and uh remember it was Shahid or Alave were like too close together. And so the guy covering one of them was able to peel off and make the play to break up the pass to Mike Thomas that would have been there otherwise. So like weird mechanical things like that. The O-line has improved since the first few weeks of the season. Um, but uh, Trevor Penning is struggling. Uh, Nick Underhill uh, put out a film study today that especially in the run game, he's really like not blocking well, which is surprising because that was supposed to be his, his calling card, at least early on in his career. Um, and he and the New Orleans Dot football crew uh, late this afternoon uh, posed a hypothetical question that when they do that, it usually is like informed opinion that yeah. they've heard something that, there's a chance we could be benching Trevor Penning um, and kicking yeah. Hurst out back out to left tackle, um, at least temporarily, uh, assuming that uh, Pete and Ruiz are fully back from their concussions and ready to start at guard. So uh, that wouldn't, I don't think that's a good idea. If that's what we do, I hope this is just kind of like some external pressure being maybe like sourced from the inside to be put on pinning uh, to get him to step his shit up right. because I, I still feel like we've invested so much in him. Like, and the only way a, a guy as raw as him is going to learn is by like trial by fire and like time on task. 
getting his snaps under his belt and like learning on the job. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to the threat of a benching or yeah. an actual benching. If it is meant to be uh, a motivational tactic, like a yeah. Sean, you know, that's a, a tool right, right out of Sean Payton's toolbox is taking the guy off the field if he doesn't perform. Um, but I think if they did that, it wouldn't be the end of Penning's career by any means. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But Like, I wouldn't label him a bust. I mean, the guy's barely – he's basically a rookie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, I just hope – I don't know. I hope they let him learn through his mistakes and – like I, we'd already seen that in pass pro they're like helping him out and like chipping him and like doing slide, some slide protection stuff. And um, hopefully they can work around some of his non strengths at the moment. Um, right. In, in the scheme and, uh, and he can kind of learn on the job because I, I, I'm still a believer in him for sure. And uh, we honestly, I mean, we need him to work out. We need yes. him to be a, at minimum, solid starter. Honestly, we like need him to be a Pro Bowl caliber tackle. And uh, the question is whether we believe in Doug Marone to be the guy to shepherd him there. So I don't know. Lots of questions for sure. But. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of, things about the game that were BS. Mm. Um, what is up with Chris Olave? You know, yeah. he, it's, there were some weird reports before the game that he was working with trainers and then uh, he was pretty ineffective in the yeah. game itself. He did catch a touchdown, but he only had two catches and they yeah. didn't really look his way a whole lot. And yeah. I, it seemed like in the Bucks game, he didn't, he didn't seem right either. He was loafing, didn't really seem like himself. So I, I wonder if something's going on with him physically and or mentally. Yeah, it's been a weird couple weeks for him, uh, for sure. That Bucks game was real bad. And, and he owned up to it, honestly, that like he, had, he basically admitted that he let the macro frustrations of the offense uh, affect him personally. And that led to bad effort. And he, I think, apologized to his teammates and stuff and uh, like, Issued as me a couple as, um, and then heading into Foxborough though, uh, yeah, like you said, it was reported um, pregame that he was testing out. Uh, I think it, it was it was just, he had a toe injury, um, but he was good enough to go, and uh, and yeah, it was a weird game for him. Like on one hand, he did catch his first uh, touchdown of the season on like a really nice whip route, and like Carr freaking fired that thing in there, so. Um, and one of the big knocks on Carr coming into this, coming into the Saints was his just struggles in the red zone uh, to convert touchdowns um, during his time with the Raiders. And so uh, that Jimmy Graham pass uh, against the Packers, and then this one to Olave, those were really nice to see for sure. Um, Can't forget but, the uh, Foster Moreau. So yeah, yeah, we didn't talk Jes about Jesuit boy LSU Tiger scoring his yeah. first touchdown as a yeah as a sidebar that so yeah the shovel pass um, in the basic basically a goal line shovel pass um, to Boston Moreau for his first touchdown as a Saint um, was really cool to see 
And it was a really nice play by Pete Carmichael. I, I texted you guys when it happened, though. I was like, part of me wishes we had kept that in the bag for a closer game. Um, that, uh, that, I mean, it was an awesome play, but we were up by like three or four possessions at the time when it happened. And the, it was very clear that the, the, the Patriots were just dead in the water. So, um, my count, I, nice. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but my counter to that would be you got to put something like that on film if you're going to build off of it, right? That's true. Like you need to you need to let defenses know that like that is a threat, you know, Jimmy Graham or Juwan or or Foster Moreau or some big bodied guy is going to be waiting for the shovel pass in the middle of the defense. Yeah. If they devote too much attention to him then you can just like pitch it outside and or run a play action off of it yeah for sure. and who knows if if they can't stop it they can't stop it yeah well i i mean i might be mistaken but at least anecdotally i remember that like the the chiefs the last few years have run that same play like quite a few times with travis kelsey and so andy reed at least i mean maybe they dress it up with like formation and personnel a little differently each time but I seem to recall them running that exact play to, I mean, sometimes it's Kelsey. I guess sometimes they do do it to their running backs and maybe some of like their backup tight ends also, but I don't know. Maybe we can dress it up with different guys. Hopefully, I mean, Jawan Johnson has been out the last couple of games and for like a weird random calf injury that popped up in pregame warmups. And we really need him back. I think he's actually yeah. a pretty big missing piece of the offense, like going over the middle. Um, yeah. But uh yeah, oh, yeah, so, so, right. I was going to go back to Chris Olave. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, so we called that really nice touchdown pass. Um, but then, if I remember his two other, like, he had one catch where he, he caught the ball, but then couldn't drag his toes on the sidelines going out of bounds. Yeah. And that could reasonably be inferred that, like, his like his toe injury might have stopped him at least maybe subconsciously from pulling off that, that completion, um, that reception. And the other one was Carr dropped a freaking dime to Chris Olave. I think it was a third and long, maybe a third and short actually, but it was, it was third down. I remember we were already up by, by a decent amount, um, at the, in the game. So it wasn't like super high pressure, but, um, Carr trusted Olave and trusted his arm and and Olave caught the ball, but then lost it in the end zone when he hit the ground. And that like was really That's, frustrating. It's been a bugaboo of his his whole career. Yes. Uh, that happened multiple times last year and to the point where it was like his own personal stated goal was to get stronger this past offseason. And I'm sure he did to an extent, but it was really disappointing to see a guy that we all have such hopes and promises for fail. Fails a tough, a strong word, but like get tripped up literally by an issue that is a known issue. So hopefully he can push through it and put these like struggles, both mental and physical behind him. He was list. I mean, today, um, the day we're recording is Wednesday. He was listed as limited on the injury report today with that toe. So um, hopefully it trends positively and not 
in the wrong direction. But yeah, I mean, he's he, Michael Thomas, who has been like amazing uh, in his like somewhat limited role, but he's doing the job that's asked of him. Um, yeah, I mean, the, we need we need the receiving core to be be on point in time. Yeah, I still think Thomas is he's he maybe not as spry as he once was, but he's been the most consistent part of this offense. Yeah. He's, he's had like the same stat line every week. You know, it's five to seven catches for 50 to 60 yards. And yeah, he's getting it done. Um, he, I never really bought into all the bullshit, the rhetoric about how he's like injury prone. I just think he had a couple years of bad luck. Yeah. You know, he was bound to regress to the mean, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And it's been really just like, I mean, from Vex's nose standpoint and like obviously impacts winning, but just like even from like a pure fandom and like sentimentality standpoint, it's just been really cool to see a guy who was like such a emotional part of the um, like last four or five Drew Brees teams, um, the last part of the Sean Payton era. Um, to like see him have a bit of renaissance, so especially after all the stuff that he's been through, so um, yeah, that was nice to see. Did you listen to the uh, the the epic call in to to Dust? Is his name Dustin Snow or Devin Snow, the hold the mayo guy? Uh, yeah, um, I listen. I heard most of it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I finished the whole thing, but that guy was heated for sure. I mean, it was. Like I've never been able to uh, articulate. It was just such a perfect articulation of like all, all of everyone's frustrations after the the Bucks game and the Packers game. One of those things that I'm gonna financially support anymore. At this point, we are 18 for 46 third down, averaging 39 percent. Four for ten in the red zone, averaging forty percent. A hundred and fifty mil. I can't even make it week to week being a Louisiana resident. And you think I'm either gonna spend change and money on a disappointing ass team that has an offensive coordinator that obviously doesn't know where his fucking head is? And I'm supposed to just act like that's okay and take the gaslighting and take the all we're going to clean it up and get better and move on? What reality are we living in at this point? I don't know, man. It was just really nice for us to just beat the piss out of a team and look like the Saints of old. Yeah. Feels good. But, you know, before we go, I do have a kind of a, a an existential question about the team. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, Sean, what do you think the team is? Like, are we part of the NFL middle class where we will beat bad teams, but struggle against competitive ones because we have an inconsistent offense? Or do you think we're actually really good and the Bucks game and the second half of the Packers game was an aberration because Derek Carr was injured. Because I kind of see the season like it's gonna, it's one of those two things. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, if you want to look at it through the lens of like, are we true contenders to win the NFC? I, I still believe, I mean, I shouldn't say still believe, but like, I believe what I believed going into the season is that say what you will about them. And we're obviously not super big fans of them, but the Niners, the Eagles, and I was going to say the Cowboys, but after that ass whipping, they just took by the Niners. I don't know if you can include them in that same top tier, but there seems to be a like clear like top tier of the NFC. And I honestly just like don't even like a fully healthy Saints team. I just don't see us on that level. Um, like until maybe proven otherwise, like I think in theory going into the season, a like hypothetical elite Derek Carr could have maybe not bumped us up to be on the level of the Niners and the Eagles, but we haven't seen that yet. So it's that, that like plus plus player is still purely theoretical and hypothetical Yeah. Um, when it comes to Derek Carr. So I, I still, I, yeah, like to your point, I still think we're comfortably in the, I don't know if you want to call us middle class or upper middle class maybe of the NFC, but like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay with that though. Like, I mean, that was Mike. I'm not one of those saints fans. Who's like, if we're not a contender, we should tank. Like my hope and vision for the season has really remained unchanged. Like I want to win our dog shit division. I still don't believe, I know the, Bucks and the Falcons have winning records as well, but I still don't think they're good. And I don't, I mean, yes, I know the Bucks beat the shit out of us, but I still, I still don't think that's a good team that we lost to. I don't know what that says about us, but I don't think the Bucks are good. Um, right. Like, I don't, I like, I don't know yet. Yeah. I still don't know for sure what the hell that was we put on the field against the right. Bucks. Like, right. Was it just a turd that's a result of the coaching still being disjointed and Derek Carr not being very good? Or was it legitimately like Derek Carr was hurt and we couldn't we couldn't execute the way we should have? I think Carr was hurt, but like we've talked about, I I think it might have been rock bottom from a, a rock bottom like moment of clarity to like co-op the language of like alcoholics. Um, <laughs> I mean, moment, yeah, it is nuanced. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, yeah, Orleans and the Saints offenses causes all the drink. But um, I think that Tampa game was like a moment of clarity for better, but also for worse for the offensive staff and players and like Dennis Allen too, that like the way – Pete Carmichael has been designing our offense is like substandard and not a winning scheme. I mean, we, we were texting about it and Nick Underhill, the, the goat, the God did like in his breakdowns, he like determined that we run motion less than almost any team in the NFL. 
we run play action passes less than almost any team in the NFL. And just like are just behind the curve. And like the Sean Payton offense in its heyday was revolutionary, but that was 15 years ago. And yeah, times change. Um, and defenses catch up also. So Pete Carmichael has to look beyond his own comfort zone and study schemes and formations and tendencies of defenses that are like beyond what he and Sean Payton were cooking up in 2009. Like, yeah, I mean the state of the Denver Broncos should be irrefutable evidence that Sean Payton is not, he's not only over the hill, he went to the peak of the mountain and then he tumbled down and like broke both of his legs. So the funny thing, I I don't want to like totally, derail the podcast to talk about Sean Payton and the Broncos. But the funny thing about Payton this year and what's going on over there is that I think the statistics show that like that offense is actually like not that bad, but it is the worst defense by like DVOA, which is that advanced metric that does a pretty good job of uh, encapsulating like, opponent adjusted and like pace adjusted uh, yards per play, like things like that metrics to evaluate defense. It's the worst defense of all time through this point of the season. <laughs> worse, than any, worse than any of the worst Saints defenses that were also the worst of all time in their own time. So it's, it's almost like Sean Payton this year. It's, it, I, I, I slightly disagree with the notion that he's like lost his fastball it's that he's actually like the most extreme version of himself that <laughs> he still knows how to coach a like competent, at least competent level offense, but he does not know how to hire a defensive staff that can field a competent defense to like say the least. And he's more likely to hire an abysmal defensive coordinator or and it's crazy because what's what's his name is our is their defensive coordinator the former like Broncos head coach Vance um, Joseph Vance Joseph right yeah. the one's native Vance Joseph and he's not like a defensive dummy but for whatever reason like it's crazy it's almost like Steve Spagnuolo over again like a dude with like legitimate defensive coordinator skins on his wall like gets paired up with Sean Payton and just it doesn't work for whatever reason it doesn't work and and like look Steve Spagnuolo now is like two Super Bowl rings show for it or two more Super Bowl rings uh with, with the with the, the Chiefs so like it's it's wild man um but uh you know we get their pick and we might be picking pretty high in the second round because of it so yeah i mean i i i can't get enough of sean how much of a disaster the broncos are it's like watching the the person who dumped you become like morbidly obese on instagram like it's incredible yeah that uh (laughs) man (laughs) i 
Okay, what, one last thing I'll say about Carmichael is I think there's something like beautifully poetic about the football team in New Orleans clinging to the past and yeah. like being like stubborn and like sticking with what works even or what worked, even though it's like very obviously like outdated. And the yeah. thing that is holding the saints back is like they are not nostalgia they're yeah they're living in the past and dying in the past yeah. and yeah there are many things about new orleans that cronyism and nostalgia is like stopping yeah man that's a you should write an article about that that's a pretty <laughs> profound um, Pete Carmichael is the Confederate monument of oh my god dude like photoshop him on like a pedestal like in a circle like oh my god that's so bad dude oh my god uh, oh no oh that's so bad but but Marcus obviously, May returned from his suspension I, you know obviously I want the Confederate monuments to topple and obviously they, yeah obviously I, I, I'll put down our marker that the Black and Gold BS podcast is firmly anti-Confederacy. So <laughs> sorry if that offends any of our uh, states' rights-loving listeners. <laughs> I mean, who, you never know. Who knows? Who knows? A, um, a, listen, a listen is a listen. Yes, that's true. I love mm -hmm. all my children equally. Uh, but yeah, Marcus May, speaking of problematic children, um, is uh, back from his uh, the suspension that he served um, from his DUI a couple years ago. So um, getting a starter back in the secondary is good. Paul Sandiwa came back from injury um, the Patriots game. Um, so knock on wood, the secondary is at full strength. Jordan Howden is back as well. Um, yep. He started in May's place last game. Jordan Howden is like really good. Our yeah. Fourth or, or fifth or sixth round pick is like a yeah. starter quality safety. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are really high on him, and he was basically playing the PJ Williams role as our as our. I mean, basically, he took PJ Williams' job. Um, that's why he's not on the team anymore. He's our starting. Uh, I shouldn't say starting dime back, but I don't know if he can be a starting dime back. But he is our our dime back. Um, and uh, a lot of folks think it's a matter of time before he takes Marcus May's job. So, um, yeah, a real good find there. I mean, for like we've said it before, but for all of his faults, DA knows how to identify and coach up DBs. And um, as long as he's here with the Saints, I think we can safely assume that we're going to have a pretty elite secondary. So, uh, so good to see Marcus Mays back. Andrews P is back from his concussion. Um, so, uh, even though James Hurst is uh, was limited today in practice with, with a foot injury, and Ryan Ramchek, his knees continue to be made of sandpaper, and he, has, <laughs> he like, doesn't practice anymore. Um, he actually has struggled a lot this year, but um, our our top six O-linemen should be healthy for the first time. Um, I, I want to say at least since week one. So um, that's really interesting. And uh, like we talked about at the, uh, earlier in the pod, um, that does give them some flexibility to at least consider benching Trevor Penning um, for like, you, you can debate the merits of that, but it's at least good to have options. Um, 
And uh, what else? Yeah, we um, didn't get too injured, knock on wood, in that Patriots game. Um, JT Gray, who obviously is very important to our special teams, uh, he left the game with a hamstring injury and didn't practice today. Uh, hopefully he is back soon because um, he really is, is pretty important to <laughs> helping us bail out uh, some of those Lou Headley shanks. Uh, haven't loved uh, the work that he's done. Uh, punting in the post Blake Gilligan era, um, pretty inconsistent. And then uh, the other injury we had in the game was like newfound Saints whipping boy Adam Prentice. Uh, he left the game with a knee injury and didn't practice uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> I still don't know how he has a job, man. He had yeah. another really bad play in that Patriots game, completely blowing a blitz protection pickup. And uh, like leading to probably the worst sack. I think we only had Carr get sacked twice, which, all things considered, is an improvement um, over earlier in the season. But that one in particular was just like an egregious mental error by a guy who had two uh, egregious errors in the in that Bucks game the week before. And I don't know. I think I texted you guys like if Dennis Allen is like a serious person, like. Adam Prentice shouldn't have a job. And here we are. In the words of uh, Logan Roy, you're just not serious people. Yeah. Like, but, man. yeah, Adam Prentice, do the head. I'm trying to, like, workshop, like, an apprentice, like, joke about, like, him and, like, Donald Trump causing, like, massive amounts of damage. But... Um, Many people are telling me that telling me Adam Prentice, he's a very bad player. He's very bad, very terrible, but also very beautiful. Thank you, Mr. President. This um, might be our last podcast. It might be, dude. Um, see, like Allison can't make it this week, and we just absolutely go off the deep end. So we had a, we had a good run, starting it like we ended it, um, fading back into. Yeah, I mean, I think when we started the podcast, this is what we wanted to do was just crack inappropriate jokes. And I don't know what it is about tonight, but I think we're both just worn down by life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if you're worn down by life, be sure to stop into Zapardo's Family Markets, the number one grocery store for people who like groceries greater New Orleans area. It's part of family markets because when the owners are there, it's better groceries. Oh my God. <laughs> there goes that sponsorship. Are you kidding me? I just like up their revenue 10X. Just watch. You got to pump those numbers up in this racket, buddy. Well, it makes a difference when the owners are there. A big difference. That's right. All right. We are also sponsored by AGI Specialty Valves, the pump protection experts, the pump protection valve experts. With over 35 years of experience, AGI Specialty Valves is the number one supplier of automatic recirculation valves for pump protection. Don't let preventable pump failures cost you. Contact AGI Specialty Valves at 832-485-0003 or info at AGI Valves. Com. I'll you know, tell I'm you a- what, Jacob. Uh, 
The Saints offensive line could learn a thing or two from AGI specialty valves on how to protect important infrastructure. All right. For Sean Haspel, Bryce, and Allison, I'm Jacob Krasno, and this has been Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. Many thanks to our sponsors, Zapardo's Family Market, AGI Specialty Valves. Thank you to Bryce for producing the podcast. For all of our listeners, all one and a half of you out there, we appreciate it. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And until next week, who dat? Who dat?